Brothers and sisters, today we ask the question, why, why would Jesus come at Christmas? Why did he come at all? Why would God become human for a time in history? We've been looking at different other questions like how did Mary and Joseph get from Nazareth to Bethlehem and uh, other such things. Today we want to ask why. Why why does God do this? Why did he do that at that particular time and for what purpose? We're going to be reading this morning out of John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, would you take a moment and locate those this morning or this day whenever you're watching? And would you open to John chapter 1? Anytime you're wondering about... Uh, the, the Christology of Jesus. What, what does it mean for Jesus to be the Christ? It's always good to look at the first chapter of a few books. John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 1. If you ever have questions about what does it mean for Jesus, what does the Bible say about Jesus being the Christ? John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. We're going to look at John chapter 1 this morning. We begin with the theme of light and life. Light and and life, uh, the gospel writer of John, he, he introduces uh, his story. The other gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, particularly as they're introducing Jesus to us, they, they begin in other, other ways, more of uh, some of the, the background stories leading up to the birth of Jesus and uh, some with a family genealogy of Jesus. Not John. John dives right into a- answering the question, why? What, what was so significant? about Jesus and his coming, and he he leaps off right from the beginning, and we read in the first five verses what the gospel writer John says about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Did you notice the first words of the gospel writer John here? He says, in the beginning, and if you've been studying the Bible for any amount of time, you're probably familiar, that probably takes you back to another place in the Bible, in your mind's eye, where it describes these words, in the beginning. You're right, Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning, when God speaks creation into existence. You see, John talks about in the beginning. He he says, in the beginning was the word. This word, word, logos, is used. It was a familiar term in the time of John's writing. It was familiar to Greek philosophers, especially the Stoics. It was a familiar term in Hebrew understanding. It was just a familiar word that, that understood, and, and depending on uh, your your vantage point, it, it, it helped contemplate the idea of God or or some divine conscience, uh, something big. And so John is pointing us using this word, and he says the word was with God, and the word was God. In other words, what John is saying to us here is that what God was, the word also was. You see, he's pointing us to this understanding of the triune God, God, uh, one God in three persons, three persons that are distinct but in, in, uh, inseparable. And so you have one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this word, this logos, God the Son, Jesus, was with God, this Jesus who existed from the beginning. There was never a time he was not. In the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God. Everything that God was, the Word also 
was. John is telling us, too, that at the, at the creation moment that Jesus, this, this word logos, is the agent of creation. If you're a C.S. Lewis fan and you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, one of the most captivating images for me in that whole series of books is when we see the, the Christ figure, Aslan the lion, when he is singing creation of the cosmos into existence. You see, Jesus is the one who sings out creation as the agent of God in creation. So in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, the Word was with God. And in the beginning, the Word was God. And John goes on throughout the rest of this chapter to talk about how the Word now takes on flesh and comes to live among us. We'll get there in a minute, but he first says that that the Word comes as light and life, bringing light, and in Him was life. In Him is life. Uh, You know, the first word spoken in the book of Genesis, if you were to take a minute and open to Genesis chapter 1, you you would remember there that that the, the world is formless and void, that darkness covered the surface of the earth. And the very first word that flows across God's lips is, do you remember? Let there be light. And so God, at the very beginning, Jesus, the agent of creation, speaks creation into existence. And so here, John is telling us that Jesus, the Word, uh, he's, he's referring now that Jesus is coming as the light himself. He is coming as the embodiment of that which dispels the darkness. You see, the light shines in the darkness. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, when darkness was there, God said, let there be light. What happens to the darkness when the light arrives? It is dispelled. And so when Jesus comes... He comes as the Word, as the Son of God, God the Son, the second person of the Godhead. He steps into our reality, and the light shines in the darkness. And guess what happens with the darkness? The darkness does not overcome the light. The darkness does not overcome the light. Throughout the Scripture, throughout the New Testament, we will see and uh, we, we learn things like uh, evil not overcoming good. In fact, we are called to overcome Evil with good. We are told that the church, that Jesus is building his church, and even the gates of hell will not overcome the church. The light of Jesus, that first Christmas day, stepped into the world, and that light still shines today because the darkness does not overcome it. It is the light and life of God. So how does this life, if if Jesus is the life that God offers to you and me, how does the life of Jesus become our life? I'm glad you asked that question because John gives us an answer in verse 9. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Boy, this is such a key passage in John's description and our understanding of who Jesus at Christmas and Jesus today Every day is in our world, and I pray and hope in your life. 
what we encounter in these verses first is that sometimes light is not welcome. Can you think of times when light is not welcome? We, we don't like light, do we, when we're trying to sleep, right? Most of us, we like the lights turned off to at least turn down. And, and if we're dead asleep and the light gets turned on brightly, we usually don't like it, do we? Uh, there are times when light is not welcome. When we're hiding, if you're playing hide-and-seek or hiding in some other manner, you don't like light revealing where you are or what's happening. Sometimes uh, we can become so comfortable living in the dark that light is now no longer welcome in our life. But when God appears, when Jesus comes in the flesh, and when God comes knocking at your door, the door of your life, He is bringing His light into your life. And where the light shines, the darkness is dispelled. And so part of our journey with Jesus is learning to let Him illuminate every facet of our life so that nothing in us remains hidden to Him, Everything in us becomes purified in Him, and we continue to grow in wonder with Him. You see, in like manner, God's light sometimes is not welcome into a life, maybe into your life. What about your life? Have you welcomed the light of Jesus? Do you welcome every day into your life the light of Jesus as you go into your work? As you prepare to take that exam at school, do you let the light of Jesus guide you in your preparation and, and, and in your taking of that exam? John now goes on. He talks about the light and, and those who did not receive the light. But then he turns and, and he looks at those who do receive the light. Do you, did you remember what he says? He says in verse 12, Yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Did you know every human born is a creation of God? But not every human is yet a child of God. You see, a child of God is not one... You're, you're not a, a, a child of God because your parents went to church when you were born. You're not a child of God because you, you somehow from the chi- time you can ever remember, your whole life has been connected to the church, that does not alone make you a child of God. Just being in a church or being around Christian people, that alone does not make you a child of God any more than than just going into your garage and spending time in your garage makes you a vehicle. You do not become a car because you spend a lot of time in your garage, nor does spending a lot of time around and with the church does it make you a child of God. But John tells us what what does, we're going to see that uh, in a minute, or we, we do see those who, who receive him, those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Not by natural birth, but by spiritual birth. And in John chapter 3, we see the great interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus, where Jesus unpacks what this idea of being born again is all about. Why it's so meaningful, even a leader of the Jewish uh, religious uh, specter of of the the Jewish nation was not yet uh, born again until he had understood and received the person of Jesus into his life. You see, it's not about our religious activity that makes us acceptable and, and right before God and a child of God. It's by letting Jesus into your life and then walking with him. Uh, confessing your sin and allowing Him 
to transform you, to forgive you, and to turn away from that sin, to walk with Him. That is the spiritual new birth. That is being born from above that Jesus talks about in John chapter 3. But why did, why did God become a person? Because if He didn't, there's no way salvation would fully and completely come into your life and into mine. In John 14 and then 16 and 18, we read these words. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, out of His fullness. We have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. You see, Christmas season, Christmas time, is, is a lot like the moving truck that pulls up to the house down the street from where you live. And uh, who, who has come? Who is moving there? Who's going to unpack that particular truck? I remember as a young boy moving to my my home, that would be my childhood home at, at, from age five all the way through high school. And I remember pulling up and just across the street was another family that had recently moved in. And I began to wonder, who is that person and how will I understand them as uh, get to know them better? I remember it was Brett and Sean and they were playing around the hedges of their home. And first person we met when we pulled up there was Brett and Sean and, and children about our age, my brother and sister and mine. Um, it's asking the question, what has God brought us in, in this arrival? The Word, the Word that was at the beginning, the Word that was with God, the Word that was God, the Word that was the light uh, of, of the world, the Word that was the life, that was bringing life to all men, was coming into the world. Christmas time is, is the reality that helps us see that Jesus has come and taken on flesh. He's come to take on flesh because it is God's revealing Himself to the world and giving Himself to you. When you wonder what God is most like, you look at the person of Jesus. Jesus is the greatest revelation, the greatest picture of what God is and, and what He has done for you. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word became flesh and pitched His tent Literally, that's what the, this could be translated as, made his tent with us. And John, just like at the beginning, when it says, in the beginning, the word, that that was intended to help the reader go back to Genesis chapter 1, when he talks about making his tent, pitching his tent here with us, dwelt among us. It, it's a word that literally means tabernacle, that Jesus came and tabernacled with us here on earth, where, where you come to know the tabernacle in the Old Testament, you might remember, was when the, the, the people were nomadic, they were moving around, they, they had this, uh, this portable sanctuary that when they stopped to make camp, they would, they would set it all up, and then all of the tribes would set their, their tents around the, the tabernacle, because the tabernacle was the center of who they were as a people. Why was that? Because it was the representation of, of the presence of God. And so when you look at the tabernacle, you're reminded that God is with you. When you look at the tabernacle, you know that, that God has come and His glory would, would visibly come down on the tabernacle at times. And so when John tells us that Jesus became flesh 
and came and tabernacled with us. He pitched his tent with us. He came and dwelt with us. He, he's not just talking about that Jesus changed addresses and that Jesus had to get his mail put in a different mailbox. He's talking about the fact that now when we look at Jesus, we're, we're looking at the presence of God in the world. When we look at Jesus, we know that God has come because he loves you and wants to give himself for you. We see in this passage, we see here that uh, Moses, well, Moses was the one, the great, the great prophet, the great giver of the Pentateuch in the Old Testament, uh, the law, the giver of the law. The law comes through Moses, but what does it say that comes through Jesus the Christ? He says, grace and truth is the gift of Jesus. You see, in Jesus, friends, we know that God has come. We know that Jesus is God in the flesh. We know that Jesus is one who never had a beginning and will never have an end. Jesus was part of the Godhead, always has been, was the agent of creation, and he has come to take on flesh and for a time to make his dwelling with us, to tabernacle with us. So when we see and know Jesus, we know that God is here. That's why the word Emmanuel becomes so rich for us, because it is God with us. And so I leave you with this question this morning, this day. Are you a child of God? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. You and I are not, not a child of God because of who our parents were or who our grandparents are or any religious expression particularly that we have. We become children of God when we have understood our need for a Savior. That's why the angel's declaration in our sermon last week out of Luke 2 Behold, a Savior has been born to you, recognizing our need for a Savior, recognizing our, our condition of sin before the Lord, and then inviting, turning from that sin and inviting Jesus to wash us clean. God be praised in that. Have you recognized your need for a Savior this Christmas season? Have you recognized that your sin keeps you from knowing and being with God? Do you recognize that you will stand one day before God? And make an accounting of your life. And a great question that will be asked is, what did you do with the coming of Jesus in the flesh? Did you receive Him into your life? Did you welcome Him with gladness and let Him touch you and redeem you? Do you recognize that you, brother and sister, have been bought with a price? Therefore, you are not your own. This is the gift of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God that He has given us redemption through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grace. Grace is the gift of Jesus. The gift that you and I could not ever earn or be deserving of, but it is that which God gives freely through Jesus. Truth is that where we begin to recognize the reality of ourselves lost and separated from God without Jesus in us. So I pray this Christmas, if you have not ever opened your life and heart to Jesus, that you would make it so, that you wouldn't just celebrate the wonder of candles and lights and, and all that comes with that festivities of Christmas, but that you would recognize the wonder and splendor of Jesus, the Word, taking on flesh and living here for you. God, we pray this day. I pray that if anyone today
has never recognized you, Jesus, as Messiah and Lord, as we talked about last week. Or today, maybe they've never really understood you as God in the flesh, coming to make your dwelling on earth so that we might be redeemed and become children of yours. And God, we pray that if indeed we are children of yours, that that is why we call ourselves brothers and sisters in the church. And as brothers and sisters, we are called to love one another. And so I pray that you would reinvigorate our church in loving each other, in treating each other as brothers and sisters ought. And God, help us to be quick to confess our sin one to another. Help us to be quick to forgive one another. Help us to be quick to demonstrate in our lives the reality of the gospel in us and among us in this church. We pray, Jesus, now in your name. And for your sake, thank you for taking on flesh. Amen.